forward to that. Um, so my name is Justin, one of the elders, uh, pastors here at Peninsula Grace. I was the one that got a fake gift a, few, a minute or two ago. That was exciting. Um, we are, uh, man, we're finishing up our vision series today. Ne- tomorrow, ne- nope, uh, next week we'll be launching a new series through the book of Ephesians. Um, Jill and I have been married now for a little over three years, uh, but the engagement just feels like it was yesterday, doesn't it, sweetheart? She's laughing. That's a weird response. Um, I snuck, I went down to California when we, to get engaged. I, I snuck into her apartment armed with a love arsenal of roses and candles and a piano. Uh, I, I surprised her. She didn't know she was walking into her apartment that I was going to be there. So I dodged the pepper spray and got down on one knee, proposed, and she said yes. And then came the longest three months of my life as we were waiting to get married. She was in California. I was up here in Alaska. We were waiting to be together in the same house. We were just waiting to be in the same time zone. Um, that we were also certainly, uh, we were waiting for things that we believed God had told us to wait for, uh, for marriage. And that took a lot of patience, right? We were in a relationship, you could say, already. We were learning and growing together, but we were not yet Mr. and Mrs. Frankino. She was still a whipperman, but I was about to change all of that. We were committed to no longer being our own, but to be one flesh. But we were, we were already engaged, but we were not yet married. So in many senses, we were going to be together, but we were not yet together. We were living in the tension between two worlds, and already not yet tension. And in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul says the marriage of a man and a woman is actually a shadow of Christ's marriage to his bride, the church. And we, his bride, like Jill and I, in that three-month engagement window, also find ourselves in an already uh, not yet tension with Jesus. Last week we said that, that, that Jesus has already come. He has already died. He has already rose again. And he said, it is finished. And we gather, we gather on Sunday mornings. That's the day he rose from the grave. It's the beginning of a, a new week, the eighth day, so to speak. A new creation has dawned. And we have a new beginning today already with Jesus. Where sin has been conquered. Where death has been conquered, where Satan has been conquered already in one sense. But we also live in a world where cell phones still go off, (laughs) where Satan still operates, right? Where people still sin and where we still die. In another real sense, Jesus has not yet returned and has not yet made all things right. So which one is it? Is it already is it not yet? Mike Cosper would say yes. Yes. We live in a tension. He said, we live in the light of the resurrection today already. But we live in a darkened world that awaits its fullest renewal in the return of Jesus and the restoration of all things. The already not yet In this vision series, we've been saying that we must learn how to live into God's story. That that it began with God creating us to to worship him, right? To, to, To rule this world under his rule with God and like God would rule this world. But we said that in the fall... Uh, we rejected God and said, it's my garden and I'll rule how I want to, rule how I want to. We rejected God and sin fractured everything here on earth. So the rest of the Bible's story 
is what we talked about last week. God redeeming, so that means a buying back, a rescuing of his people back into relationship with himself to worship him forever. And through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the dawn of an eighth day, a new creation has already come. But Jesus ascended to heaven and said, in the words of the Californian governor, I'll be back. And, and he said that one day he would come back to consummate or complete what he's started. So we're talking this morning about this final part of the story, consummation. The word consummation means the point at which something is completed or uh, finalized. Now, Jill and I were talking yesterday, and she said, I see you're preaching on consummation. She said, you're, uh, you're not going to make any inappropriate jokes about consummation, are you? I said, sweetheart, you know me. She said, exactly. Right. So I'm going to say this. Marriage is consummated or made complete by knowing each other in the Old Testament way. Is that good? Is that good? Um, it's the two becoming one flesh, and that's all I have to say about that. <clears throat> the, the purpose, so the purpose of marriage is companionship, Right? It's two becoming one in relationship as husband and wife. And the the consummation of all things is God and his people becoming one in forever companionship through the person of Jesus. But we live in this tension, this already, not yet tension. The already of redemption, he has redeemed us, but the not yet tension of he has not come back and fully realized, completed that redemption process. And so this is a tension. This is a tension we feel every single day. We feel it physically. Anybody in pain today? Anybody have a part of their body that they would like to upgrade? There, there is death, there is pain, there is suffering that we still experience in this world as we await the resurrection of our bodies. We feel this spiritually. Does anybody have an area of their life that is not fully like Jesus yet? I'm praying for people like you, right? No, I, we're, we're all going through that, right? We're all in process of, of becoming more like Jesus. We look around in our world. Do we not, are there things that we see in our nation and in our world that do not fully line up with God's will? That aren't the way that God would intend things to be. And then we see that even in our worship. We worship a God who right now, today, in this very moment, is very present with us, and yet, we are yet to see him face to face. So our worship, man, exists between these two worlds. And the question before us this morning is how do we, how do we live out this already not yet tension between these two worlds? Between Jesus has left and the day with Jesus comes back and makes them one. Three things we see this morning. First of all, we grow into Christ-likeness. We grow into Christ-likeness. So a few years back, uh, we bought a TV stand from Home Depot. You may remember this from the pandemic days when we were live streaming. Uh, We owned it, right? We bought the TV stand. It was ours. Hooray. However, when we opened the box, uh, it came in like a thousand pieces. And it did not yet look like the picture on the box. Now, we all have gifts. Uh, One of mine is not to construct things with my hands. I can barely make a sandwich, let alone something like this. This might not look complicated for you, the average Joe, but in this world, the far below average Justin, struggle bus, right? Now, we eventually got this TV stand completed, consummation, but it took a lot of help, right? Thank you, Mike Kaitonen, for coming over and helping me. I would not have been able to do this on my own. But finally, we got the stand to look like the picture 
on the box. You and I have been redeemed. We have been purchased by God as his children forever. Paid for by Jesus' lifeblood itself. And yet, our lives very much today do not look like the picture on the box. We are still, much of our lives still in pieces. We're a mess. We're in process. And like me with the stand, we need help. We can't Humpty Dumpty ourselves back together again on our own. So we're going to look at two big Bible words this morning, but we're going to define them. And I think this will help us understand this already not yet tension. The first word is justification. Justification. This word simply means to be declared right or just, right? Just is right or fair. So to be declared right. Now, I remember, if you're, if you're an Office fan, uh, there's the episode where Michael says, I declare bankruptcy. And Jim says, you can't just say, I declare bankruptcy. And Michael says, I didn't. I declared it, right? So we can't, so we can't just declare that we're right before God. We, we don't have the ability to do that, right? But God was able to declare this about us. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been declared right or righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So God declares us right. How? It says by faith that we simply trust. We come empty-handed, declaring spiritual bankruptcy on our own. But what Jesus did was he took our wrongness and gave us his rightness, and now... The moment that we're saved, we are fully in union with Jesus and now and forever perfectly accepted before God. Amen? That's our justification. We have that right now and we have it forever. But the second big word we look at is sanctification. This word comes from, you heard the word saint. He's such a saint. It's a holy one. So the word sanctifies to make holy. We would say sanctification is the process of becoming like Jesus. Now the key here is that it's a process. We are growing. We are becoming more and more like Jesus. It's a messy, slow, grace-paced process of thinking more like Jesus, desiring what Jesus would desire, and acting more and more like Christ himself. So justification. Justification says, I have been purchased by Jesus as God's child. I will always be his child. That's the already. But the sanctification says, now I'm in the process of starting to become what I am, to start to act like his child, to start to look like the picture on the box. And that is not yet completed. Hebrews 10, 14, um, I think, gets at this point, where, where the writer says, For by a single offering, so Jesus' sacrifice, by a single offering, God, he has perfected for all time, there's our justification, perfected for all time, those who are being sanctified. Or the New Living says, those being made holy. Now here's why this is so important to know. So who, you don't have to raise your hand here, but who, who would say, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior? Now, if you have your hand up, who would, of those would still say, yeah, but I still sin? Right? You can keep that hand up, right? <laughs> Me too, right? So we see that tension, right? We, we, we feel the tension. But notice, what does Hebrews, who does Hebrews say is being made holy? Those who have been perfected for all time, right? So, so you see the tension here. Now, this is why the order is so important. Because sometimes we switch it and say we need to start acting perfect first in order that God will accept us. But it's actually the opposite. What Scripture teaches is that the power to start acting like Jesus comes from the fact that we already are united with Jesus and will be forever. We're a child of God, therefore we're called to start acting like God. 
Now, we often get this backwards. This is where legalism kicks in. This is where most of the other world religions would teach that way. But the, the, the gospel says, no, you are first justified, declared right, and then you have the power to start becoming what you are. Next week, and I'm so excited to jump into the book of Ephesians, and this is basically Paul's point to the Ephesians. The first three chapters, he says, this is who we are. This is who you have been declared to be before God as his child in Christ. And therefore, the hinge point in Ephesians 4.1 says, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. The, the second three chapters unpack, be you are this, now therefore live this way. Not live this way in order to gain status before God. Now here's how this ties into our worship series. We said that Romans 12 defines worship as that our part is to give ourselves to God. That we offer our bodies as a holy sacrifice. The only reason it's pleasing is because we're now in Christ. That's our part. To give ourselves to God every moment of the day. But his part is to transform us. It says be transformed. I'll transform myself. He does it. And how do we do that? It said by the renewing of my mind. That's really repentance. It means to change your mind. It's like start thinking about things the way God does. And, and what does this result in? So that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That we would know God's will, and what's implied here is that we would start to actually live into God's will for our lives, what he wants us to be and how he wants us to live. Now, how does that happen? One of the central ways is we gather together on Sunday morning is what we're doing right here and right now. It's being transformed by his word so that we can know it, believe it, and actually live it out. But like the TV stand, you know, we need some help to become who we are, right? And this is, we need to be instructed. We need to be instructed by God's word. But remember where we're at in the story. We need to hear God's word, learn it, and learn how to discipline that out into our lives. And again, not to earn our salvation, but because we already are his new, redeemed children in Christ. We are one now and forever with Christ, full stop. But I, I, don't, know, I don't know about you, but I do not look like Jesus in every area of my life every single day. My life is very much still in pieces. It's still in process of looking like the picture on the box. I don't look like that yet, and neither do you. And that's okay. But also listen to me. We aren't called to stay there. Like the TV stand isn't nearly as beautiful as it can be when it's in pieces, right? Who could, who, you, you don't quite look like that beautiful and very realistic fireplace there in the middle. That, that we don't also, we're, we're, the, the TV stand in pieces isn't useful, right? I can't put my TV on a pile of pieces. And then you and I in Ephesians 2 say we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, his poem that he's creating to be useful and beautiful in his kingdom. This is how God says our story ends. It consummates with us in the presence of God. But he guarantees the end of this process of becoming like Jesus. I love 1 John 3. It says, Beloved, we are God's children when? Right now. Right in this moment. Already. And what we will be has not yet appeared. So we are his children now. But the full realization of what we're to look like, the picture on the box, that's not now and, and here. But he goes on to say, But we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. Why? Because we shall see him as he is. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is when we see Jesus face to face, we are going to look just like him. We're going to look just like the picture on the box because we're going to have the real thing right in front of us. 
We said in this series we're moving from rehearsal on Sunday morning to live out this in our rhythms the rest of the week, that we gather together to worship our God, but then we scatter back out the rest of the week to live this thing in our rhythms of life. So let me ask you this morning, what is the, what's the piece, what's the next piece in your life that needs to be put into place to look like TV stand Jesus? Maybe it's your speech. Maybe the way that you're talking to people or talking about people is not how Jesus would talk to them or talk about them. Maybe the way you're treating the people around you is not the way that Jesus would be treating them. Maybe the thing that you're addicted to is not the way that Jesus would approach that thing, that substance, that human, the way that he would if he were you. Brothers and sisters, let us not, as James says, just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Not to earn God's acceptance, but because we already have it. The first thing we do is we grow in Christ-likeness. But this isn't just our own growth in consideration here. The second thing we see is we go on Jesus' mission. We go on his mission. I don't know if you've been in a church that has this, I, I think it's a little cheesy, but it's, I think it's also very effective and true, a sign on the way out of the exit. It says, you are now entering the mission field. Have you seen that? And, and the idea here is that on the way out, the door is not just an exit. Now, it is an exit, and if you're new here, the exits are here, here, and here. Okay? That's good to know for file marshal, fire marshal issues. But it's not just an exit, it's an entrance. I, I love the little cartoon that says here, uh, you, you're now entering the mission field, but the pastors are talking. And it says, what do we do if they never leave the building? Like what if, that we, we do gather here on a Sunday morning, but then we leave the building, right? We shut it down and we go back out into our communities that worship is gathering, but worship is also scattering. And our worship-aimed mission continues after the worship service. God says there's a day coming of consummation. Second Timothy says it this way. Christ Jesus will ju- someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. See, Jesus is going to return to earth, and he will judge those, it says, who are living at the time he comes back, and those who have died. So it's everybody, right? It's everybody. And there are two options. And there are only two options. That we can believe that God has judged my sins in the person of Jesus, or I receive the judgment for my sins myself. And listen, there is an urgency, an urgency that the day's approach calls us to go back out into the world, to be deadly serious on our mission for God. And this is not a scare tactic. This is reality. There's a warning bell that's being rung here. But there's another bell that's being rung, and it's a beautiful wedding bell. Because when Jesus returns, the consummation of this story, is it's a love story, an engagement that ends in a marital happily ever after This is the marriage of heaven and earth. I love the beautiful language in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says, and this is the plan. At the right time, God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, his kingdom, where he rules everything in heaven and on earth. My favorite definition of heaven is simply the sphere where God's will is done. It's not just primarily a geographic location, as it is wherever God's will is done, that's heaven. And so the idea here, Adam and Eve were created to do God's work in bringing heaven to earth, to make earth a space where God's will is done. And they, we know the story, they and all of us, their great-grandkids, have failed to do that. But now, redeemed in Christ, we can be invited back into this process of making heaven and earth one again, where these two circles will perfectly overlap. 
This is why Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. And what does he say? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That this earth would become one day a place where God's will is perfectly done. That is heaven on earth, literally. This looks forward to that day. We know already, guys, we know how the story ends. In the second, last, second to last chapter in the Bible, it says this. Then John had a vision of this. Can you imagine? You picture this in your mind's eye. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was gone. It represented chaos. There's no more chaos. It's all order under King Jesus. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now where? Among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with, what a beautiful word, with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. No more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything, everything new. God with us. And that's the story of humanity. That's the word Emmanuel. We sing, God with us. The story, God and his people, the marriage of Jesus and his bride, the father back with his children. And out of every tongue, tribe, and nation, he will receive that Romans 12:1 worship that he is worthy. And these two circles of heaven and earth will perfectly overlap. And we've said that we want to move from the rehearsal of, and that we gather here on Sunday morning to the, to the rhythms of the, our worship as we scatter through the rest of the week. Now, how do we do this? How do we unpack this as a church? Well, we, we have, uh, we, we have this, we're in year one of a 10-year vision as, as a church here. We want to be intentional. If you go to our website under the About Us, you can look at this thing in full. I'm just going to highlight a few of them this morning. How do we press into this together? We say that our mission is to help the broken find wholeness in Jesus. That's what we want to be all about. We want to dedicate all of our life together is to help the broken in the world of whom we are one find wholeness in the person of Jesus to be, know that they can be purchased by God as his child and to be slowly pieced back together in Christ by his grace. How do we do this? And this is probably my favorite sentence in the vision. So we take the gospel wide into our community by taking the gospel deep within our own church family. Because here's the reality. If we want to go on mission, we want to go out and do what God's called us to do, we have to first be what we're calling other people into. I love what Pete Scazzaro says, you cannot give away what you do not possess cannot give away what you do not possess. We're going to see Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples. Well, here's the deal. We can't call other people to live in a love relationship with God through Christ, an intimate walk becoming like Jesus, if I'm not in a love relationship with God in Christ, if I'm not walking with Jesus and becoming more like him. And so what's the call here? If we want to be, if we want to be a, if we want to go and make disciples, we first have to be a disciple of Jesus. So we ask ourselves, am I actually following Jesus? I cannot lead someone farther than I am myself. And so one of the ways that we're walking into this is, and I'm super excited, this fall we've launched an apprentice track. We've taken 16 apprentices, disciples, here in our body, and are just learning how to walk deeper with Jesus. 
so that, not just that we walk deeper with him, but that we can invite others. We can go wide into our community and world and invite others into a deep walk with him as well. And we're looking to expand that next year. And if, you're, if you'd be interested, excited about walking deeper with Jesus, come, come talk to me. We can talk about what that looks like. But even today, to plug in deeper into the community life here, some of our small groups and discipleship, our foundations, classes in the Word, how do we press in deeper into our walk with Jesus so that we can invite others to follow us as we follow Him? Now, the context of being a disciple of Jesus is in the context of His people the church. And so if we're going to go and make disciples, they need to have a home, a family to live in, a church body to be a part of. And so one of the our, parts of our vision is to plant churches. And we, and, we, and we are excited. We're dreaming God-sized dreams here. We want to plant churches here locally in our own community, Kenai, Soldatna, Kisilov, Nikiski. We also want to see churches planted around Alaska, especially in the hundreds of villages today that do not have a gospel-centered body gathering right now. And we want to go to the ends of the earth and tell people who have never had a chance to to, to know the person of Jesus that they can be found by him and made whole in him. That's why we're here. And Ross and I just got back from a conference in Colorado, a church planting um, conference, and learning a lot about what are some next steps that we might be able to take we're excited over the next few months to start continue to learn and put some feet to this thing. And we'll invite us all along for this process. But you might say, that sounds all great, Justin, but what about me today? I'm glad you asked. Our comprehensive, super intense, really complicated strategy for evangelism is this. Pray for your three. Pray for your three. So let me ask you this. Who are three people in your life today that have not yet placed their faith in Jesus? Now, maybe some of you are like me, grew up in the church, you're, you're kind of in a bubble. So maybe the hard thing is, how do I even, I don't know that I have a friend right now in my life that doesn't know Jesus. So how do I change that? You sign up for the local pickleball club, right? It comes with many benefits, right? Maybe it's, it's taking cookies to your next door neighbor. Maybe it's, it's a job situation. Like, how can we creatively get into elbow rubbing with people who don't know Jesus? Or, or maybe you do have friendship with an unbeliever, but you don't know what to do simple acronym that, that has helped me think about how to, how to love the people around me is BLESS. We've talked about this before. So we, we begin with prayer. We pray for God to do. God's the one that rescues souls. God's the one that raises dead. Not me. I'm not the Savior. Hallelujah. He is. And so I pray for God to do in the lives of the ones I know and love that I could never do. Second thing is to listen. Simply listen. Here's the dirty secret. People love talking about themselves. Okay? So if you just simply, hey, can you tell me, tell me more about your life? Ask them questions about them, and you'll start to see them open up. Maybe you need a context for that. The E is for eat or experience. Taking them out for coffee. Getting together for lunch, right? You both got kids, we're going to go to the park, and they're going to play around, and we're going to talk over a latte. And then, and then serve. As, as we're listening to them, we're going to start to hear ways that we can, we can love on them. And man, it's stressful right now. I don't have, I don't have a, a babysitter. Maybe you, you take the kids for a day. Maybe it's coming over and helping them. They said, man, those trees keep falling on my house through all the windstorms. Could you help me kind of redirect those? Only if you have the skills. Otherwise, please do not start chopping down trees. And then maybe, and, and the last one is to share your story. But maybe you say, Justin, I don't have the Bible memorized. I'm super scared to know even how to share my faith. But we all have a story. We're a follower of Jesus. We can tell them what Jesus has done in my life, who Jesus is to me, and how we're very much in process of him putting us back together again. Can you imagine if each one of us, got a hundred of us in this room or whatever it is, imagine if each one of us were doing this with three people we knew, 
And it's so small, it's so simple. But Jesus said his kingdom would start like a mustard seed, slowly but surely, through every small faith act, through, through every daily prayer, through every act of kindness, we can piece together, he can piece together what is broken. And we can see heaven and earth slowly overlap until he comes back and we look like that picture on the box. We're called to grow in Christ's likeness. We're called to go on his mission. But we can only do this one way. And that's the third thing. And the final thing, we go with the very presence of Jesus. If you've noticed, uh, at the end of the service, we close with a verse. And we call this the, the benediction. Bene, good, uh, diction, to speak. So it's a good word. I love Mike Cosper calls it a blessing for the road. Now, this is not just a nice sentiment, like hashtag go with God. Uh, this is ascending out of God's people with the promises that he has given us. Matthew 28, you, you know the charge, right? He says, Jesus came near his disciples, his followers, and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And go, therefore. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that they might become saved today to be justified in his presence. But then there's also a process, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded. And remember, I am with you, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, go out into the world, love people. And he says, you can't do it on your own. But the good news is you're not going on your own. I'm going to come with you. And he puts his spirit in each of us. We call it portable Jesus. That the spirit of God is in us and working through us in everything that we do. I had a Bible school teacher from the deep, deep south. His name was Dunn Gordy. Right? Yes, it was. And Dung Gordy, he used to always tell us, he said, the first two-thirds of God's name is go. So go ye into all the world, because our God is a going God. I said, Dunn, your hermeneutics are terrible, right? But your theology is spot on. Our God is a sending God. John 20 says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. How? The peace of his spirit will be with us. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. It's the work of God in and through us. So the benediction is not just simply a, y'all come back now, you hear? And it's not just simply a, you are dismissed, right? We are being sent by our creator to continue his glorious work that he invited us into in the first place. So when we go through these exit doors, this is not just to beat the brunch crowd, which is why you came to the first service. I know it. You can tell me the truth. And it's not just to go pick up your kids because they're going crazy, although they are, and you need to. Don't forget them. We are going on mission. I love the way that Mike, or James uh, Smith wraps this up. From the beginning at creation to the end of consummation, his worship, like creation, ends as it began with God's blessing. When we were called, we were blessed. Now, as we're sent, we're blessed. We're not sent out as orphans. He says we're God's children. And nor are we sent out to prove ourselves. We're not earning something that we already have in Christ. He says, no, the blessing speaks of affirmation. We are affirmed as his children and conferral. That just means he's giving us something. That we go empowered for this mission. Graced recipients of good gifts in Christ. Filled with the spirit, that portable Jesus. Our imagination fueled by the word that we're learning from here today. To imagine the world otherwise. We go back out to this world and we imagine what our homes would look like 
if they were made whole in Jesus. What our neighborhoods, what our community, what our state, what our nation, what our world could look like, can look like through the wholeness that Jesus offers into our brokenness. And this is the already not tension. We have this in Christ, but it is not yet fully realized until he comes back. So one of the things Lucy loves is to be spun around. She says, shoot, my motto is always, always, always shake a baby, right? That's how she rolls. She jostle me, and I will be happy. And so we found she loves it. This is, this is a centrifugal force, right? That as you spin around, it's a sensation that makes you want to fly outward. So as I'm flinging her around, there's this force that's carrying her outward. It's the love of a father as we look at each other and smile and giggle and enjoy this moment. But it's this movement that's pushing her outward, and that we are sent out, we're actually spun out with the centrifugal force of the Father's love. The sensa- it's what we do when we gather here today. We, we, we kindle those embers. That's why we sing together who our God is, because our hearts are prone to wander. Our hearts are prone to disbelieve and distrust that the other six days of the week, and often with good reason. Right? We're, we're in a broken world. We're going through hard things. So we come back together. We worship our God. We sit under the teaching of his word. We encourage one another as we gather so that as we see our Father smiling at us in the, in the midst of it all, that that centrifugal force of the Father's love would spin us back out, send us back out onto mission for the rest of the week into the various corners of our lives. We said at the beginning of this series that the, we are being transformed by the story we believe we're living in. Each of us are living in a story. Either it's the truth of God's story or it's our own story that we've been creating. And make no mistake, the story we believe we're living in is transforming us into something. We're becoming something. We're moving in a direction. The question is, is it God's good story or is it a false one? And this is our story. We, we rehearse it here so we can live it out there. It's going to end with Jesus coming back and making all things right. And I love what Stephen Covey says. He says, we need to begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. We need to start, start today by thinking about how things should look like at the end when Jesus comes back. So I'm, I'm pretty OCD. And one of the things I have on a Google Doc drive, and maybe this isn't the way you do this, but I have my, my, own, my rhythms of life. What do I want, According to God and his word, what do I want my daily rhythms to look like? And what about my, my weekly and monthly and yearly rhythms? And each Friday morning, I review those rhythms to kind of recalibrate how I'm living. But what I have at the very end of the document is what this is going to look like when I stand before my Lord and Savior one day. So when I meet Jesus, I say, I want to hear these words. I'm going to stand before Jesus one day. And I'm going to look at him face to face. I want to hear the words that he taught in this parable. I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want to hear the words that Paul told Timothy when he was about to die. He was about to be killed because he was living on mission. And this is what he says at the end of 2 Timothy. He says, as for me, Timothy, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. He gave himself to God. That's Romans 12 worship. He says, the time of my death is near. He says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, didn't earn that, declared right, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. 
So I picture in that day when I'm standing before my Lord and I want to hear those words. And I want that to impact how I'm living Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. And maybe for you, the homework this week is just to spend some time thinking of that moment, that moment standing before Jesus and hearing these words and then working backward and saying, what does a life lived like here and now look like to get to that end, to hear those words from Jesus, to be able to say those words that Paul said? Is how I'm spending my time right now moving me into the trajectory of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Is how I'm spending my paycheck moving me toward an end of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Is, is the way that I'm treating other people, the relationships that God has put in my life, the words that are coming out of my mouth, the habits that we all have, are they moving me toward hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. I've fought the fight. I've kept the faith. And again, not to earn that moment before the Lord, but because we are his children. I want to end with simply declaring together who we are. So if if you'd stand with me. I love the end of Philippians chapter 3. It declares who we are, but who we are all, we are not yet. So we look, we live in this tension together. There's already not yet tension. So let's just declare this truth together. Say this with me. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior where he makes it all. Heaven and earth one. It's going to all be consummated. And the second one, sorry. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. We imagine that day, brothers and sisters. We imagine that day when he will, when we will look like the picture on the box. We might be in pieces right now, but this is where it is going. Heaven and earth will become one, and we know how our story ends, a happily ever after, Emmanuel, God with Pray with me. Father, I want to hear those words. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But I know that I can't do that by my own strength. But by the grace of God, there go I. So Father, my prayer is that we would believe your story and live into that story that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and rose again to give us new life with you in him forever. And then the centrifugal force of the Father's love would spin us out from worship of you here to live on mission out there to help the others who are broken just like us slowly but surely find adopted as children the ability to be made whole in the midst of brokenness. Father, send us out from this place on mission that we would look for. We live in a broken world today, but we know that one day all things will be placed under the beautiful, eternal rule of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you change us by that reality? It's in the name of the coming King that all God's people said.